Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. It was all or nothing, he told the interviewer. And that's what he hated. His name was Kyle. He, uh, he was interviewed for, uh, for a blog that I stumbled upon. And, and Kyle was... Uh, a young man who had grown up in a small Midwestern town. He was raised in a, in a Christian home. His parents took him to the really big Catholic church in town. But in reality, there were really only two churches in this small Midwestern town. You were either Catholic or you were Lutheran, and that's it. So his parents, he, he brought, they brought him every Sunday to this Catholic, the, the large Catholic church in town. He had his first communion there. He was an acolyte. He was an altar boy. And he volunteered, or more accurately, maybe his parents, when he was really young, volunteered him to work with his friends at all of these events in church. If you would have asked Kyle then, he would have told you, I consider myself a disciple of Jesus. I consider myself someone who follows Jesus. As Kyle got older, some of the demands that Jesus makes of his disciples began to be a bother to him, began to burden him a little bit. When Kyle was in high school, he succumbed to some of the pressures that are common to high schoolers, the drugs, the partying, the sex. And at first he would feel really guilty. He would fall to his knees in repentance, ask Jesus for forgiveness of sins. But after a while, when he would revert back into it, the guilt stopped coming just a little bit. And he would look out into the world and he would look out into his friend group and say, well, this just doesn't seem fair, does it? That everybody else in this world gets to live like this, that they get to do whatever they want and there doesn't seem to be any sort of ramifications for it. And yet I, as somebody who considers himself a disciple of Jesus, can't live like that. This isn't fair. Now, Kyle's parents, they were pretty well off. They had done well for themselves in business, and they lived in a nice house just outside of town. And because his parents were pretty well off, Kyle had a lot of stuff. Now, you keep in mind that this was about 20 years ago, or nearly 20 years ago, when the PlayStation 2 was first released. And Kyle, being a high schooler, he really wanted a video game system. And when Kyle asked for something, Kyle got it. He was given the PlayStation 2. When he turned 16, he was given the Jeep Wrangler that he asked his parents for. Now his parents, bless their hearts, and I mean that in the kindest possible way, actually bless their hearts. They did a really good job at reminding Kyle day after day that your life, it does not consist of the things that you own. It does not consist of the, the game systems or the car that you drive or the clothes on your back. What is most important is the faith that you hold close to your heart, your faith in Jesus. That satisfied Kyle for a while. But man, did Kyle love stuff. Because stuff made him feel good. The stuff made him popular. The stuff was, his stuff were, were the things that, that brought him comfort when he was struggling in school or in life or with his parents. And when he heard, heard a demand from Jesus that said, uh, uh, somebody who is my disciple has to give everything up in order to follow me, including that PlayStation 2 and that Jeep Wrangler and everything else I have, that bothered him. That didn't sit well with him. But all these frustrations that Kyle had in, uh, oh, about being one of Jesus' disciples, they all came to a head when Kyle finally got to college. You know, living in this little Midwest town was sort of like living in a bubble. And because there were only really two churches in town, a Catholic church and a Lutheran church, pretty much everybody went to church and talking about Jesus and believing in Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus, well, just wasn't a big deal. But Kyle realized he wasn't living in a bubble anymore when he got to college. And he took his parents' advice. He would try to go to church regularly. He would 
stay in on a Saturday night. You would get up early on a Sunday morning because the closest Catholic church was actually pretty far away, a couple miles that he had to walk. But that's kind of when it all started. His friends who would see him stay in on a Saturday night, they'd rag on him. Why do you waste your time with that stuff? And it didn't just come from people in the dormitory. It came from the classroom too. His professors and other students would make fun of him, would ridicule him, would bring shame down on his head for not only openly talking about Jesus, but believing in Jesus. And Kyle came to a fork in the road when he was in college. He had to wrestle with a very important question of faith and of life. When it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, am I all in or do I want nothing to do with Jesus? And this is what he hated. He hated that he had to make a choice because Kyle wanted to follow Jesus. He knew the benefits of following Jesus, namely the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but he wanted to be sort of a fence sitter, have one foot in the door, one foot out the door because he wanted to believe in Jesus, but he also wanted to live the way he wanted, when he wanted. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, it's all or nothing. There's no middle ground. The struggle that Kyle had is, is, not, uh, is not unique. It's a struggle that millions of people have had across the centuries. It's maybe even a struggle that you have had too. That when it comes to following Jesus, there is no middle ground. There is no fence sitting. There is only a uh, disciple or not a disciple. And that bothers people, including the crowds that were following around Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 14, we, we see Jesus still trudging along to Jerusalem, his final destination, which would ultimately lead to the cross. But while he's on his way, he continues to teach and to preach, and his teaching had amassed would cause a great number of crowds. And in fact, that's what Luke tells us this morning. A great crowd had gathered around him. And when most often in the Gospels and in Jesus' ministry do we see the crowds show up? And why do we see the crowds show up? Well, we see the crowds show up because they want, they want power. And they want majesty. They want another miracle. They want another healing. They want another raising from the dead. They want another feeding of the masses. They're there to hopefully catch another glimpse of Jesus' power and maybe, just maybe, even a glimpse of his glory. But these crowds were... They were fickle. And just as quickly as these crowds showed up, they would run away. They would run away when the teachings got hard. They would run away when, when the arrest in the garden happened. Even Jesus' closest disciples, numbered among this crowd who are here today, would run away when the crucifixion happened. But when it comes to following Jesus, there's no middle ground. There's no fence sitting. It's all or nothing. Jesus doesn't want disciples who are going to be fence-sitters. Jesus doesn't want disciples who, are only there, who only want the coronation but not the crucifixion. Jesus doesn't want disciples who only want the glory but not the modesty. Jesus wants disciples who are fully and totally devoted to him in heart and in life. And this is what he needs to make clear to the crowds. And so Jesus, while these, crowd, these great crowds are following him on his way to Jerusalem, he turns and he addresses, to, he addresses them and he explains that following me, it's not always going to mean glory. Following me is not always going to mean power and miracles. In fact, following me comes at a cost, and in fact, a great personal cost. When it comes to being one of my disciples, it's all or nothing. There is no middle ground. And to that crowd, he makes three radical demands for those people who want to be disciples. In his first radical demand, Jesus says, anyone who 
who wants to follow me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and child, son and daughter, wife and child, brother and sister, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Radical demand number one. And what Jesus is, is not saying here is that you have to go and you have to hate your daughters. And you have to hate your husband. And you have to hate your brother and sister. It's not what Jesus is saying because that stands in, in clear contradiction to so many other things that he says in scripture, like the command to love your neighbor as yourself, the command that says anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Instead, what Jesus is doing for you and me this morning, for all of those crowds who were following him around, is he is reorienting and reprioritizing the way that you look at love. Because all of those things that Jesus mentions here, the wife or the spouse, the brothers and sisters, the father and mother, the children, those are all blessings from God. And God doesn't want you to hate any of them. But what he does say is, you have a father and mother, great. You are to love them because that, because that is what the fourth commandment calls you to do. But you can't keep the fourth commandment in expense of the first commandment, which is you shall have, you shall uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? This is the summary of the first commandment. Jesus says, you have to love me more. Love your parents, but love me more. He says the same exact thing. He says the same exact thing about your spouse and your children. He says the same exact thing about your brothers and sisters and even about your own life. Love them, cherish them, take care of them. But don't you dare, if you want to be my disciple, love them more than you love me. Because anyone who loves any of those things more than they love me, they cannot be my disciple. And when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being one of his disciples, it's all or nothing. There's no middle ground. Radical demand number two that Jesus makes. He says, anyone who follows me, who, anyone who comes after me and does not carry his cross, he cannot be my disciple. The cross is something that you're given the minute that God makes you his own dear child in baptism. When he works faith in your heart through water and the word, he calls you his dear child. He sets you apart and marks you out as different. And the very fact that you are marked out as different means that you have a cross. And the cross that you bear in this world is anything that you suffer on account of being one of Jesus' disciples. It could come in the form of rejection from family. It could come in the form of persecution, be it uh, physical or emotional. It could even, the cross that you may have to bear in this world is being willing to give up your life for Jesus. And Jesus says, if you are not willing to do all of that, if that cross seems too heavy and it seems like something you want to set down, anyone who does not carry their cross and follow me, they cannot be my disciple. Radical demand number three that Jesus makes of anybody who wants to be his disciple. He says, anyone who is not willing to give up everything he owns and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus isn't saying, again, that you need to go home and sell the house and the food and the clothing on your back and the car that allows you to get to work because, again, those are all gifts from God. God promises to give you everything you need in this life to sustain body, to everything you need in this life to sustain your body and life while here on this side of heaven. But what Jesus is doing here, when it comes to your possessions, he's reprioritizing the way that you think about what you love and what is most important in your life. And if you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, you can't go out and you can't love the very things I've given you more than you love me, who's actually the one who gave them to you. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to give it all up because those things can serve as a roadblock. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to give up everything that you own. Because when it comes to following Jesus, it's all or nothing. And there's no middle ground. 
There's no mistaking what Jesus says in those radical demands, the things that Jesus wants for us in those radical demands. But, but just in case the crowds had mistaken something that Jesus said, just in case you have mistaken something that Jesus said this morning, he, tells, he uses two parables as an illustration for the point that he's trying to make, an illustration of a builder, an illustration of a king. He says there's this guy who, who wants to build a tower, but before he even starts out building it, what he does is calculate the cost of everything that it's going to take to build that tower because you don't want to start the tower, you don't want to start any building project without calculating the cost because if you lay the foundation, you start the project, and then you can't complete it, Jesus says you'll be the laughing stock of the town. The other, the other illustration is the parable of a king. The story of a king who's about to ride out to war with or against another king, and he's got 10,000 troops, and the other king has 20,000 troops. But before he rides out to war, he sits down and he calculates, he estimates whether or not he thinks that his 10,000 can take on the other king's 20,000. And if he, in his calculations, thinks that they can't do it, then he sends a delegation to talk about the things that have to do with peace. The point of both of these stories from Jesus is that being one of his disciples, it comes at a cost. And you have to calculate the cost. You have to see if you are willing to bear that cost. Because Jesus doesn't want disciples who are fickle. He doesn't want disciples who are there when things are good, but disappear when things are bad. Because being one of Jesus' disciples, it's all or nothing. There's no middle ground. And this, this is exactly what Kyle hated. Hated the fact that he had to choose that there wasn't all or nothing when it came to being one of Jesus' disciples. He hated the fact that, that there was a burden that he had to bear, that he had to possibly love Jesus more than his family or more than all of the stuff that he had, that it meant that he might endure ridicule and shame. And so when he wrestled with that question, that, that all-important question of life and faith, when it comes to being one of Jesus' disciples, am I all in or do I want nothing to do with Jesus at all? He chose nothing. And when it comes to being one of Jesus' disciples, there's no middle ground. It's all or it's nothing. On your Christian walk, are there days are there days when you feel like Kyle? Where you agonize and you wrestle over and you wonder, is it all worth it? Do I want to do this? Do I want to be one of Jesus' disciples if it means it's going to come at such a cost? You sit there and you agonize and you wrestle over and, and you, you think about being one of Jesus' disciples and, and you wonder not only is it worth it, but you wonder if you can even fulfill these radical demands that Jesus calls his disciples to. Because when have you ever loved your, because how often, I should say, in your life have you loved your, your mother and father, your wife and child, your brother and sister, even your own life more than you've loved Jesus? How often in your life have you have you not been able to carry the burden that is the cross that God gives you and you set it down? How often in your life have, has your love for, for possessions or the desire to have more possessions eclipsed the love that you have for Jesus? These radical demands that Jesus makes of his disciples, they're a hard pill to swallow. And I want you to know that if you're struggling with them this morning, if you if you are thinking that, that you're alone in struggling with the, the reality of what these radical demands are, then I want you to know that you are not alone. Because I am right there struggling with you. I'm right there struggling with you and understand how hard it really is. Because I take stock of my own life and I realize how often I have loved almost everything in my life more than I've loved Jesus. There are plenty of times where I've done that. There are plenty of times where I have put, and probably you have put too, 
your possessions and your things above the love that you have for Jesus or times where you have set down the cross because it's been inconvenient, because it's been too heavy. That last one, that last one, it, it actually happened to me just three days ago. I was at Sports Clips. I was getting my hair cut right after I had a, had a meeting with one of you, and I've never been one to shy away from conversation. Most of you probably know that from now. I love to talk to other people. And when you're sitting in a barbershop chair, <laughs> there's nothing else for you to do except to talk to other people. And so I'm in the middle of this conversation with this stylist, and it's going very, the conversation is very cordial. It's very nice. But then that's when she asked me the question, so what is it that you do? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. I'm the pastor of Huntersville Lutheran, and we're celebrating our one-year anniversary this weekend. But as soon as those words left my mouth, I saw the look on her face. It was a look of disgust and disdain. It was a look of ridicule. And I think she tried to hide it. I think she knew what she did because very quickly she said, you know, I, I don't really believe in organized religion. I don't really believe in spirituality in general or any of the stuff that you guys teach. Like, great for you, but I don't really believe it. As a pastor, like, that's the opportunity that you want. That's the opportunity that, that I should have grasped and, sa- and told her everything I could about the love that Jesus has for her, about the forgiveness of sins that is hers because of what Jesus did, about how eternal life is waiting for her. But I set the cross down because I didn't want to deal with that look anymore. I didn't want her to screw up my haircut because of something I had done. I didn't want, I just, in that moment, I just didn't think the burden that I was bearing was worth it. And when it came to following Jesus, when it came to being one of his disciples in that moment, am I all in? Do I want nothing to do with him at all? I chose nothing. I chose nothing. When I hear these radical demands that Jesus calls his disciples to follow, I'm left feeling nothing but empty. Not only empty from a desire to do it, but emptied of the possibility of ever doing it. Because when am I ever going to be able to love people less than I love Jesus? When am I ever in my life going to be able to perfectly set aside everything I own and love Jesus more? When am I ever going to be able to pick up the cross and bear it perfectly day after day to be one of Jesus' disciples? And the reality is I can't and I won't if left to my own devices. That, the sucky pill to swallow. And it leaves me feeling empty and drained It leaves me feeling a whole lot like Kyle. Like those crowds who would so quickly desert Jesus as soon as the teaching got hard, as soon as the the crucifixion happened. And when it comes to following Jesus, it's all or nothing. There's no middle ground. And when you're left feeling empty, the place where you run is generally to nothing. But this morning as you're weighed down by the the ton of bricks that is these radical demands that Jesus makes of his disciples. As you're stuck in this pit of emptiness and despair that these radical demands bring, I, I want you to think about something. When Jesus came into this world, did he come to find people who would perfectly love him? When Jesus came into this world and took on flesh and blood, did he come to find people who would, who had never had an issue with possessions? 
When Jesus left the throne room of heaven, did he come to search out people who, who would perfectly stand by him in good times and in bad? When Jesus took on flesh and blood and carried out ministry, carried out the work of salvation, did he come to find people who would perfectly be his disciples? The answer is absolutely and unequivocally no. He didn't come to find those disciples because one, those people would be sinless and they would have no need for Jesus. And two, those people don't exist. I want you to, I want you to understand something this morning that when Jesus came into this world, he came here to seek the lost. When Jesus took on flesh and blood, he came here to find those who were empty, to find and gather to himself those who were powerless. He came here for you and for me. He came here to forgive your sins. He came here to lead you to his kingdom. And here's the thing. Jesus makes radical demands of those people that he's gathered to himself. Like there's no getting around that. He does make these radical demands, but Jesus, when he comes to you, he doesn't come and he doesn't look for people who perfectly follow him and obey him day after day after day. He doesn't come to find people who are all in. Jesus comes and finds, or excuse me, Jesus comes and he makes disciples who are all in. It's the only way it works. It's the only way those demands are met. And when you find yourself emptied of all of the power to follow these radical demands, that's when Jesus comes to you. When you're struggling to love him more than anything else that you have in your life, including your own life. Jesus comes to you when you are on your knees in repentance of not loving him more. He comes to you and he lifts you up and he says to you, look, look at me. Look at the love that I have for you. A love that brought me down from heaven. A love that sent me to the cross. A love that caused me to give up my life and I was willing and glad to do it. This is the kind of love that I have and it's this radical arrow pointing down love with which I am filling your heart. And this love that I give you, this grace that I am filling your heart with, it changes the way you think about everything. It changes the way you reprioritize the things that you love, the people that you love. It causes you to love me most. It is this arrow pointing down love that makes you my disciple. When you're walking through life and you're emptied of all of the power and the ability to carry the cross that God puts on you to bear in this life. And you don't think you can make it another step. Again, Jesus comes to you in your weakness, in your emptiness. And he says, look to me. Look at me. Look at everything I've done for you. I know how hard and difficult it is to bear the cross in this life because I bore it for you. And I empathize with every struggle that you have. And when you don't think you can make it another step, another minute, another second while carrying that cross and you're tempted to put it down, I want you to come and kneel before my cross. Because it's there at the cross that you will not only find forgiveness and peace, but you will find the strength to be one of my disciples. You will find the strength and the power to, to make it another step, to make it another day, another hour, another minute, until, until I bring you home. The place where bearing a cross will no longer be a necessity. And you will perfectly be my disciple. There's no getting around the fact that Jesus makes incredibly radical and hard demands of his disciples. That being a disciple is going to come at great personal cost. And these demands, these demands are burdensome. 
These demands leave you standing empty. But it's when you are empty that Jesus comes to you and he fills your heart with his radical arrow pointing down love and his power. And it's with this love that he invites you to live by faith in his word and his promise and to trust in him, not in your own ability to be his disciple, to trust in his power. Because the reality is, when it comes to being one of Jesus' disciples, it's an all or nothing thing. But Jesus, he doesn't find disciples who are all in. He makes them. And what a comfort that is. God grant it. Amen.